0: You're now listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at FBCamericas.org. This week, we continue our journey through John's gospel as we look at a hard truth that Jesus opens up for us in John chapter 6, verse 56 through 69. Let's listen in.: Amen. Thank you. Deborah and Henbells.: There's something about that name Jesus. He is who it's all about. And you, you sang just a few moments ago, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Because we want to see. Do you really want to see? Because if you do, it will require something of you. And one of the things I've found that the burden of preaching is sometimes you have to say things that you might not want to say. But they have to be said because they're God's word. And I don't apologize for saying, saying them because these are the words of life. They are the words of life. And they come from the mind and the heart of God. As we'll see in this passage today that there were people who were following Jesus. And they heard things from Jesus that they didn't want to hear. And when they heard them they turned Away. And so this passage will see the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And, and people are the same today as they were then. So may I ask you: are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Ask yourself. Because the answer to that question is a matter of life and death. So we must ask ourselves. Am I a follower of Christ? When I was a little boy, my grandfather used to grow okra. And I was expected, as were my brothers and my cousins, to cut okra. I wasn't big enough to have a knife, so I had to pick it. And I didn't do much picking, but I can remember those rows seemed to be a mile long. But after we picked the okra, we'd come and and pour the hampers, or what we had picked, into a big bin, and my uncle or one of the adults would sit there at that table, and all that okra would come down, and he would sort it into hampers marked choice or fancy. Some of you know what I'm talking about, because you've done that. But there was a separation between choice and fancy, and that separation would determine how that okra would be sold at the market. Well, Jesus warned about a sorting of people that would take place one day. He spoke of separating sheep from goats and separating wheat from tares. But he would do that separating and it would be at the end of life. And what he was talking about actually was the separating of believers from unbelievers. Separating those who are true disciples from those who are not. And today's passage will confirm how difficult the decision to follow Jesus really is. Yet, it's a decision that means life to those who choose to make it. So, I want to talk about following Jesus for life. This passage marks a transition in in John's Gospel. The rest of the book will take place in and around Jerusalem, leaving from Galilee. But there's another transition that takes place, and that is in the popularity of Jesus. Just before this event, Jesus fed the multitude. And that was probably the peak of the popularity of of Jesus. And, And verse 66 says, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed. So this event begins the descent to the cross for Jesus. As I mentioned, His popularity peaked when He fed the multitude and thousands of people were flocking to Him because of the miracles that they were seeing. And then the night of the miracle of feeding the multitude, Jesus walked to the disciples on the water, a miracle that only His disciples saw, but that was to strengthen their faith in Him. Because they would need that faith for the events that would follow. As they saw people walk away from this earthly ministry that they had been building for two plus years. But now suddenly people were walking away from it. They were watching this earthly ministry crumble. But did it really crumble? Maybe by the standards of the flesh. But not by the standards of the spirit. It's almost as if Jesus drew a line in the sand and said, if you want to follow me, this is what is required. And he boldly declared, I am the bread of life. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. But he didn't stop there. He added, unless you eat, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So unless you do this, you have no life in you. Jesus was saying, if you want to live, then eat my flesh and drink my blood. And if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will die. So the bottom line, Jesus said, choose me and live, or reject me and die. Of course, we're talking about spiritually. Now this was not very popular with the people who had been following Jesus. But guess what? It's still not popular. It's still not popular today. We don't like black and white. Either or. We don't like that. We we want some gray areas. We want some wiggle room. We want some options. We're people of options. Which phone should I buy? Which program should I buy to go with my phone? What internet company will provide me the best service? What insurance? Where to eat out? What car to buy? What friends to have? We love options because we're people of options and we choose options that will give us the best life possible. But when it comes to life and death, Jesus gives us one choice, accept him and live or reject him and die. Let's take a look at the the passage, starting in verse 60. On hearing it, many disciples said, this is hard teaching, who can accept it? Now when he speaks of disciples here, he's simply talking about one who follows or a pupil. Not a disciple because there's a delineation when he speaks to the 12 in uh, verse 67. So these are just surface followers. People who are pupils of Christ when he says disciples. And what Jesus said was not hard to understand. We can understand it. What he means is it was hard to accept. It was hard to accept the teaching that Jesus was giving them. And it still is. Verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? He told them to quit grumbling. And verse 62 means that if they were offended by what he was saying, then they would certainly be offended when they saw him ascend to where he came from. Because that would validate everything that he said. And they would certainly be offended by that. Verse 63 says, The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Now, verse 63 proves that what Jesus said about eating his flesh and drinking his blood uh, was metaphorical. He was speaking figuratively. And he says, in fact, that nothing of the flesh really counts for anything, but only that which is done of the Spirit of God is what matters. Verse 64 says, yet there are some of you who do not believe. Now he's speaking to the disciples and he's saying, some of you do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Now verse 64 confirms something for us that we need to hear that being a disciple of Christ does not equate to being a believer in Jesus. So just because someone is following Christ does not mean they are a believer in Christ. No one comes to Jesus unless God enables that person to come. And that's done through the work of the Holy Spirit. No one can just decide, I'm coming to Jesus. No, we are drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said earlier in, in verse 40, that eternal life is available to everyone, but to receive, one has to believe. Verse 66 From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then looking at the twelve, Jesus said, You do not want to leave too, do you? So see, it's a choice. Jesus' question to the twelve proves that we are free to choose. So Jesus laid it out. He stated the requirements of discipleship. But many of the people, they, they couldn't accept the terms. and in, in fact, many of them would turn on him and would continue to do so until his death. But see, that's the nature of a false disciple. Theologian Soren Kierkegaard put it, put it this way. He said, if you have any knowledge at all of human nature, you know that those who only admire the truth will, when danger appears, become traitors. The admirer is infatuated with the false security of greatness. But if there is any inconvenience or trouble, he pulls back. Admiring the truth instead of following it can abruptly become hate, jealousy, and revenge. He goes on to say, Christ never asked for admirers or worshipers or adherents. But he consistently spoke of followers and disciples. So as we think about that, I want us to think about what are some of the differences between a false disciple and a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's look at false disciples first. First, false disciples follow Jesus only for what they get out of him. They follow Jesus only for the benefits that they get. From him, And we can see this just looking at the crowd through chapter 6. They wanted political freedom. They wanted their physical needs met. Jesus had told them, the only reason you're coming is because I fed you. So they wanted their physical needs met. They wanted their traditions to be upheld. And they wanted inspiration and a feel-good religion. They had a God-in-the-pocket mentality to serve their whims. We want the same things, don't we? Some of those same things we see still happening. But Jesus won't have any part of it. He didn't for them and he doesn't for us. See, no one comes to Jesus on their own terms. No one. You don't, I don't, no one else does. No one comes to Jesus on their own terms. No, if we come, we come on his terms. And his terms are belief in Jesus Christ and submission to him as Lord of life. Those are the terms. Tim Keller said, in a false disciple, there is an unbelief under the veneer of belief. Like a disease that works internally underneath a veneer of health. But eventually, the unbelief will be exposed just as the disease is exposed. Many people see dabble with Christianity and they do so under a veneer of being a follower of Christ but they do that for the benefits of what they think Christianity provides but they never want Jesus for himself. They want the stuff but they don't want Jesus. So false disciples follow Jesus for what they get from him. Secondly. False disciples never come to grips with the lordship of Jesus Christ. They never do. They think Jesus might be a good teacher, might be a source of inspiration, but he is seen as optional to everything else in life. That Jesus is an option. So they don't come to grips with his lordship. But listen, if Jesus is God, if Jesus is God, then submission to Him as sovereign Lord is the only logical response to Him. Do you see that? If Jesus is God, then submitting to Him as sovereign Lord is the only logical response. In order for Jesus to be Lord of our lives means that we have to be willing to give Him control of our life. We give Him Lordship. False disciples don't do that. Well, thirdly, false disciples will fall away when they realize that following Jesus is costly. It is very costly, and they fall away. As I said, many people follow because of the benefits, but when following Him interferes with their lives, they walk away, or they fall away, or they move away because He is interfering with me. See, that's not lordship. I'm still lord if that happens. We can fool one another, but no one fools Jesus. Verse 64, there are some of you who don't believe. There have always been false disciples and always will be, but so it is with true disciples. Always has been, always will be. What are some characteristics of true disciples? Well, Peter gives us a clear statement of true disciples. And it's in his response in verse 68 and 69. This is really the focus of this passage. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. True disciples... True disciples follow Jesus because they believe He is the one and only Lord of life. They believe it. Peter rightly acknowledged, Lord, to whom will we go? See, there is no one else who can give you life. No one. And in claiming to be the bread of life, Jesus is claiming to be essential to life. None of us can live without food and water. And he spoke metaphorically about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, but he's meaning taking him into the very center of our lives, eating and drinking him in. Just as eating and drinking physically keeps us going, so it is with Christ that taking him inside of our very lives keeps us going. He gives us life in that way. Those that turned away, where did they go? Where? Did they go back to religious ritual? Did they go to paganism which was all around them? Or did they just go to a helpless and hopeless unbelief? They went back to where they were comfortable. Just like the Israelites in the wilderness. They wanted to go back to the captivity where they were. They wanted to go back to where they were comfortable. You and I do the same thing. We want to be where we're comfortable. Don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to commit. Don't ask me to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. We want to be comfortable and we go back to where we are comfortable instead of going forward in faith. But do you realize that if you walk away from Jesus, you will have to write your own Bible. And a lot of people try to do that. They'll take this from this religion, this from this religion, this from this thought, this from this ism, And they try to compile their own Bible. That doesn't give life. Life only comes through Christ. So you will have to come up with your own Bible. But not only that. You'll have to save yourself. You'll you'll just have to save yourself. If you turn away from Jesus. You are your only hope. And that won't end well. For you. Because there is no one else. There is no other way to be saved and to have life other than Christ. So true disciples follow Jesus because they believe he is the one and only Lord of life. But secondly, true disciples have confidence in Jesus and in his words. Notice verse 69 that belief turns into confidence when faith is active. See, we believe and know that you are the holy one of God too many people want to know before they believe no faith is the assurance of things that we don't see so disciples know Jesus and his message more and more because their belief is confirmed by exercising their faith that's how it grows so true disciples have confidence in Jesus and in his word well thirdly True disciples will continue to follow Jesus no matter the cost. No matter. Because he is worth it. He's worth it. Eleven of the twelve inner disciples knew that. And they followed him, most of them to their death. Because they knew he was worth it. If what he says is true, then everything in this life is temporary. Everything. And it will pass away, but only He will remain forever. So where are you putting your hope? In the temporary or in that which remains forever? You see, to to have Him is to have life. So make sure you are following Jesus and not the crowd. Because it's hard to believe what the crowd disbelieves. And it's hard to disbelieve what the crowd believes. You've probably seen social experiments where a a crowd is, uh, they predetermine what they're going to do and one unsuspecting person comes into the room and everybody else turns that way and that unsuspecting soul will turn that way because the crowd did. See, it's hard to disbelieve what the crowd believes but make sure your faith is in Jesus, because each one of us is accountable for what we believe about Jesus. If you have any alternative to Jesus, you're going down the wrong road. The world says life depends on me alone, but Christianity says life depends on Christ alone, and that's a gift of God's grace. He's given us his grace. Do You realize that some gifts carry with it an insult. Suppose for your birthday somebody gives you a present. You unwrap it It's a book on personal hygiene. How would you take that? What if you're a little bit overweight and you get a book that says how to lose weight? It carries with it an insult. You might want to give me a book that says how to preach. I would take it and read it. But some gifts carry with it an insult. God's gift of Jesus Christ carries with it an an insult that we cannot save ourselves. Are you going to accept the gift with that insult that you are not worthy? You are not good enough. You are not strong enough. You need a Savior. That's what the gift of Jesus carries with it. So would you follow Jesus for life? Are you following Jesus for life? And there's two ways to look at that. First, follow Jesus in order to have life. In order to get life. Not only full life in this world, but eternal life in the world to come. But another way to look at that is follow Jesus for the remainder of your life. And again, it's in this world and the remainder of life in eternity. Follow Jesus for life. Now, see, being a true disciple and follower of Jesus doesn't mean trying harder to be a sincere Christian. Doesn't mean that you're going to work harder to be a Christian, although you probably will. What it means, though, is that you admit how insincere you really are. And that you're trusting Jesus to make up for your insincerity. You're trusting Jesus to make up for your helplessness. You're trusting Jesus because you're not worthy. I'm not worthy, but He is. And He makes up the difference. Now, following Christ, it is difficult on one hand. But on the other hand, Jesus simply says, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And what will he do? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You won't find rest anywhere else except Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. And Lord, we admit our weakness. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room today that as we evaluate our own lives, are we following you or not? Lord, would you reveal that? Help us to see that there is no other life to be had except for the life that comes through your son, Jesus. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of expecting you to follow us. That is man's way. And we are guilty. Every one of us. We stand guilty at the foot of your cross. But we come to you to follow. Help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. 434 is the simple hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I hope that's your prayer. Would you follow and follow for life? Let's stand as we sing. We hope this message does encourage you to follow Jesus and without turning back. And if you need to talk to anyone about having a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you can find our contact information on our website at fbcamericas.org. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week as we continue our journey through John's Gospel.